Um, I'm hoping that this can be a great launch pad and talk people into, hey, making a little LED matrix is not is not just for fun, right? You're you're learning some really, really important skills by doing little silly projects like this that you can then apply and go do much bigger, cooler things because the difference between making a little a little RC car or something with lipo batteries and maybe a little solar panel on top of it that translates to agriculture uh, autonomous you know AI guided vehicles that are going to live out in the field for the whole summer and you know analyze crop yield and stuff like that like that little RC car with the lipo batteries and the little solar cell and the controller and long range communication all of those pieces directly go to doing something like that where you could start a business you could you know do a do a startup or something like that or go work for one those are the kinds of projects that really cool opportunities like that are looking for welcome back to for the future your podcast about Industry 4.0 with your hosts, Mark, myself, and Michael. So this week in For the Future, we wanted to just discuss a little bit of Industry 4.0 news and then go through one of Michael's recent projects that revolved around Industry 4.0. So it could be a short and sweet episode, but I think it'll be pretty interesting for our listeners. And I just want to say thank you to the few listeners we had on our first episode. Really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming back. Yeah, sounds great. It should be fun. So the article that I brought this week was about 3D printing, but on a like huge scale. So it was a 3D printed house in New York. This company built like their first 3D printed house. And it's the first house that has the certificate of occupancy in the US, which I thought was very interesting. And it looks like super nice. Like this is a home that I would live in. I'm currently in the market and I would love to live <laughs> in this home. Yeah, and wasn't it wasn't it like at a huge cost savings and it's significantly significantly lower cost and ultra green and I mean they just hit all kinds of awesome metrics as far as housing goes all in one go for low cost and it was built in like record time. Yeah, so I don't know like what they're you know, like what house they're basing it on, but they said it was fifty percent cheaper and they built it ten times faster than the other homes in the area. <laughs> yeah. So I have a hard time believing that against like when they're going through a neighborhood, like through the suburbs, they take a cornfield and it's just rolling houses like within six months or something. I mean, yeah, you know, maybe scale is kind of uh, different. Maybe they're comparing it to like a single house going in versus like a crew going through and just putting up a building whole neighborhood. Like a neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the average time per house is pretty good on that. But still, that's really cool that they're demonstrating the technology and it's really coming together. I've been watching like cement large scale 3D printing and stuff like that for a long time. And it's um, it's been awesome to watch like five years ago, 10 years ago, it was really crude. It was, I actually went out to go see the the concrete castle that was printed in Minneapolis. It was just in some guy's backyard. Really? That was really, that was a cool trip one time. Yeah. And that was like one of the first applications in America anyway. I think like there's a guy, there's a team in Russia and like China has been working on it a lot, but it was just a like a inventor in his backyard, and I can't remember his name now, but I'm sure we could pull up the article. But he, he built like a crane, a gantry crane system, and was pumping cement around, and he built like a castle for his kids to like play in. You could like he gave tours of it; it was really cool. But oh my god, from from that, which was just a cement structure, it wasn't up to build codes. It didn't have wiring or anything into it to like a fully functional house like that. That's 
coded and everything. Yeah. That's really cool. So awesome to see that that come together. So that was like one of the things I was thinking about. Like when most people think of 3D printing, they think of you know, like really strong plastics. But in this case, they are 3D printing with cement. So they're going around and around and around with just la- layers of cement. Do you have like any idea like how do how does it not just keep smushing together? Is there a frame that it's spitting the cement into, or how does that work? Do you do you know? There's that's a good question. There's a lot of development that's gone in with that because at first people just started off with really fast drying cement, right? Mm. And so um, there's like a, a good video of this technology. I can't. It's a YouTuber and he had a, a statue of himself printed. Um, but they like they go through the process, but there's a whole like industry now built around developing cements and like holding structures and stuff to make this possible. But you'll see they'll like, as the printer's going around, they'll print a certain height and then they'll like put a, a tarp over it and then spray it down with water to, to keep it moist while it's drying. And then they'll oh. come back to it. Like once it's, I think there's like a certain height that some systems, depending on the concrete and how much structure's in it, that it can print up to. And then mm-hmm. any more than that, and it'll like the weight will start to sag the bottom layers. Um, so there is, and that's all depending yeah. on like how long each layer is, right? I mean, if you're doing a whole house, it takes longer than if you're printing a statue that's yeah a couple of feet across or whatever. So there is like a time component to it. Um, but a lot of the development has been developing pumping systems and like custom made cements and ceramics and that kind of technology that will support and be able to dry that quickly to support making houses and stuff like that. So I've seen a lot of different ways to do it. But a lot of it's been developing a cement that can handle it. Yeah. And the system they're using is called ARCS, A-R-C-S. And apparently they use this technology and it robotically builds the foundation, the exterior walls and the interior walls and the utility conduits and like everything. So it's, that's pretty crazy. It, it would be interesting. I didn't look up like a time lapse. I'm, I got to think there's one out there of them building like the foundation and the walls of a home with a 3D printer. It's got to be out there. Yeah. And for my article, I found uh, Microsoft Ignite, which was a, an event that Microsoft held um, over the past couple of weeks here. It was it was online. It was a virtual event. Very cool, though. A lot of great a lot of great speakers that came through and talked about it uh, or talked at it. They were advertising a lot of Microsoft products that are supporting AI and things like that okay. with robotics. Um, very cool stuff. And they were talking about Spot and like integrating HoloLens. I, I think we talked about that in the first podcast a little bit. Yeah. The applications of that, but the idea of like integrating HoloLens using AI and working with a, like a spot robot and being able to see what the robot sees and be able to guide it through um, scenarios. And spot is that? Sorry, bo- or uh, that's the Boston Scientific robot spot. Y- yeah, yeah. So you can use like the HoloLens to like direct this robot dog around. <laughs> yeah, or like see what it's seeing and it'd yeah. be kind of like a, a per- like a. Um, upfront view of what the what the robot is seeing and they, they were going to a whole bunch of stuff along those lines very cool stuff they're also getting into um ai's it, using ai to process big data from imagine how many sensors you could have in a wind turbine right mm-hmm. you could have stress sensors and all the blades and like efficiency sensors and just you know imagine how big wind turbines are i don't know if you've ever walked up underneath one i, I got the chance to go visit one um, and they're just, they look huge from a long distance away. And then you walk up yeah. to them and it's like, if you, if you've ever been to like Sequoia national park and you can, you know, 20 people can wrap their arms. I mean, they're huge and they're just yeah. straight. They're, 
it's like walking up to a, a building, like a skyscraper, and there's just these huge blades going overhead. You always see them in the distance, and they look like yeah. you know normal size, but then you'll see like a semi truck with one of the propellers going down the highway, and you're like, oh my gosh, that thing's longer yeah. than the trailer and like yeah. wider than the trailer. So it's so imagine having to like write programs to look for and you don't even know what you're looking for i think that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of one of the big takeaways from big data is okay sensors are very cheap we can put them all over the place all over everything temperature stress um motion vibration sensors and stuff and then you have thousands of sensors like all over a structure like that and there's lots of them there's lots and lots of of wind turbines all over the place in field and they're using ai to process that data basically and look for trends right so they're using it to do predictive analytics, um, efficiency modeling, and getting basically they can they can help improve the efficiency and the longevity of those devices significantly by being able to look at all that data. The problem is a human being gets an Excel file, a CSV file dumped in their lap, and they've got <laughs> you know gigabytes of data to go through. What are they? You know, a human a human can't keep up with all that, and it's hard to start doing you know graphs all over the place looking for trends between data and relationships. So. That's a big application yeah. there. Um, so very cool to see that too. Very star star studded cast. A lot of a lot of people from uh, Microsoft that came out for that. But anyway, yeah. So that was that was a cool article there too. Yeah, they're they're talking a lot about robots, but then like you have like your classic robots that it's almost like now that robots seem kind of you know, quote unquote dumb. Cause now you have all these robots with and it's like talking about like, you know, thermal cameras on them and like way more advanced sensors. Like even like Think of the evolution of like the first Roomba to the Roomba today. My parents just got a Roomba and it has a camera on the top now that detects when it goes through a doorway. It can like take a picture of what a doorway looks like. So then it automatically builds the rooms for you. And like, I don't, I'm not sure what the original Roomba could do, but I doubt it used a upfront camera to detect Mm -hmm. when it was leaving a certain room. And, you know, I'm assuming it has a LIDAR sensor on it to see the change in elevation from, you know, a, a doorway post to like the next ceiling. So smarter and smarter robots. I'm again, like this part of this podcast is just like keeping up with the news. And like, I'm very excited to see where smart home robots go uh, in the future. Yeah, definitely. As sensor, I was just, actually, I was just going to bring up a point about LIDAR. So funny you said that, (laughs) Uh, like one of the applications they were, they were looking at is fixing LIDAR to Boston dynamic uh, spot robots or drones and being able to do inspection on large scale, facilities, you know, pipelines, um, things like that. Again, wind turbines and, and farms yeah. like that. But being able to line up the CAD model, which is a pretty good a- approximation of yep. what it's supposed to look like. And then you have the real world, right, with elevation and change and everything. So to get like a real world scan of what's going on with that, imagine just sending out a fleet of drones with LIDARs all over them and they can go around and map the entire facility for you and keep track of all that. So that was another application they were talking about there too. So yeah, as sensors get better and better, we can get better and better data um, Mm -hmm. and being able to prop, but along with better sensors and and data, you have more, more information to process. So, and again, that it's kind of all tied together, right? It's a whole ecosystem of better robots, better sensors being processed by smarter programs and AI systems to being able to handle all that data. And at the end of the day for the engineer, the scientist, or the business owner to make meaning out of that, right? At the end of the day, if you've got a giant Excel sheet with, you know, the answer to the world or answer the big problem that you're trying to solve, but you've got no yeah. way of digging through it and finding it, 
it's not that valuable. So that's, that's kind of the mm-hmm. whole ecosystem that they're pitching there. So, and then obviously Microsoft is advertising their softwares, which are going to attempt to solve those problems. They also did a little plug on teams and ha- making it have more um, cool features in it, which I mean, at work we've been using teams, you know, it, it was funny. We, uh, we got an up, we went from like 2013 XL and all those like pretty old, um, Microsoft products. We updated to yeah. 365. <laughs> we got 2020 for everything. And then we all got teams to like replace, I think Skype for business or something or whatever we were using. And yeah, we're like, oh, we okay, used teams. To and it was, and it was like in January <laughs> or February last year, we're like, oh, teams, we're going to start using teams now. It's like, okay. And then it was like a month or two later, it's like all business and all work happens through teams. It's like, okay, well, we really got to figure this out now. And it ended up being great. I mean, I think, yeah. I think it's <laughs> awesome. Honestly, I like it way better than Skype. So I'm glad we didn't have to go through this through this whole I thing too, with, yeah. uh, with just Skype. So, so anyway, yeah, very cool stuff to keep looking into. I wonder if Microsoft's going to... Have you you've, have you heard of Tableau, the software? No, I haven't. So Tableau is just like a big data like manipulation software, like data analytics. So that's what like I use at work. So you get like huge databases of data to connect to, and then you can dig through it and pull out certain fields and stuff like that. But I don't think there's any like AI aspect to it yet. So it's just like it's it's easier than digging through an Excel file and figuring out mm-hmm. like what you need because you can drag certain things in and, and make certain views inside the data. But it'd be interesting if Microsoft like makes a competitor that uses their advanced AI to try and like predict analytics, like predict things that you mm-hmm. might find interesting or might be helpful for the business. So that's yeah, just something I, I think- thought of recently because I use Tableau every day. Yeah, predictive analytics is another something you can definitely roll into the whole industry 4.0. That's something that everyone's trying to do. Everyone wants to know how can we know when the machine's going to go down? How mm-hmm. can we how can we know when it's going to go down and how can we know okay, we need to replace this part on this machine to keep it from going down so we don't lose x number of hours, therefore dollars. Um so yeah. I I've never heard of Tableau, but this is actually this looks really cool. It looks like you could build out like a GIS type map with it, or um, I'm sure you're doing different yeah, it, things at work. It does a whole bunch of stuff, but very cool. Yeah, it's just like yeah. it's like also like live metrics. You can make dashboards that you put in the plant floor, and then it says you know how many units you've done today and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know, creates a slightly competitive nature, and I don't know. Yeah. But it's an interesting program, and that's kind of what our interesting. Push has well, I'm gonna been look into that. Thank you for bringing that up. I I wasn't aware of that. But that's really cool trying to yeah. make like connected databases at work through all the Microsoft products. It's like, well, you, you get like three different workflow, like access Excel. And then um, what's the, oh, what's the flow software? I think Microsoft flow is what it's called. There's a, there's a software mm. now that like, yeah, will automatically go through and it's better than just writing like, um, like scripts and stuff in Excel. And it actually works. It works pretty good. You don't have to program in basic, which is good. So, yeah. <laughs> or visual studio or whatever it is. So no, very cool. Yeah. So why don't we roll into talking about uh, the P button? (laughs) (laughs) So the infamous P button. So this week in our projects or Michael's project specifically, he has made, and I'll let you explain a little bit, but this is what, from Michael telling me what he's been doing, this is why I imagine it. It's a little button that his mom's puppy can press with this little paw and it'll send her an email or text message that says, hey, I need to go outside right now. Is that the general (laughs) gist of this project? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> so my my mom is hard of hearing. So they they are doing the bell training um, with their new puppy Bo. It's a little uh, 
standard poodle. It's, it's actually pretty cute. Yep. Um, he's, su- <laughs> and he's, he's super smart. He's wicked smart. Grew up with labs. Poodles are way smarter than labs. <laughs> Figures everything yeah, out are so really smart. fast. So fast. Um, too smart for his own good sometimes. But anyway, <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk about <laughs> Bo more later. Um, he's a, he's a great little dog though. But anyway, they're doing, they're doing the bell training for him to go outside. Right. Um, and so mm-hmm. they started off with a button that essentially it's the buttons are not that smart. Basically, all they do is they send you have a button. It's just a little thing. It, it dings for the dog to know that it pressed the button. And then that goes to a way station that's plugged into the wall. And that way station is what sends out the it's louder and it connects to all the buttons. So you can have like a couple buttons. So for each door, right, you can have the back door and the front door and by the garage, right? And that'll send to that way station. And then the way station will ping whenever it gets pressed. Now, the problem is when the dog's being annoying and just it figures out that it wants attention. So it'll go and hit the button (laughs) over and over and over again. So like I'm FaceTiming my parents or whatever. And the bell is just all the time, just constantly. And the dog is just pressing the button to go (laughs) scoop them up. And if they cuddle him, then then he doesn't uh, go and press the button so bad. But um, so anyway, they're like, wouldn't this be great if instead of it dinging and being obnoxious, my dad is not hard of hearing, so he has to deal with the button being pressed all the time. And they have it set like as loud as it goes. So it's kind of annoying. Um, think like a lot, a really yeah. loud, obnoxious doorbell. Um, and my dad was like, wouldn't it be great if it just texted her or like emailed mom? And then I don't have to listen to it. And that'd be way better. And I'm like, I, I can do that with a, with a raspberry Pi. I, I can probably pull that off. And to be fair, like I <laughs> bought a raspberry Pi in college cause I thought I was going to get into it. I've mostly used Arduino's just making motors go and just simple, simple programs like that. So I was more in the, I know enough programming to be dangerous kind of camp. And like, I can usually figure it out if I need to, but I never was much into like actually writing Python and stuff on a Raspberry Pi. So I had one laying in my, in one of my buckets, one of my project buckets from years ago, and I never really had used it. And I figured, well, I know, I know Pi's are good at connecting to the internet and like they can send text messages and they can do things like that pretty well. So I just started Googling. I spent like two weeks Googling and trying to figure out, you know, okay, how do I even set this thing up? Where do I go from there? And eventually I was able to piece together enough snippets of code from the internet to get it to the point where I could set up (laughs) and I made like a dummy Gmail account. And basically you can turn off all the protections on it, which is kind of sketchy, but basically it allows the Raspberry Pi (laughs) to connect to it through like a a server. Um, And I don't don't remember all, I don't know all the specifics of it. So for all of our users that know a lot about uh, protocols with email and stuff like that, forgive me, but essentially it can connect right to that gmail account and it can you can put the password and username right in there and it'll send emails from that from that gmail account you can do that for free (laughs) um so and and i'll explain where where all this gets a little more serious and more useful than just making a button that lets my parents know when the dog has to go out but essentially then i was able to take that (laughs) snippet of code combine it with a snippet of code that would make the pie do something based on a button press um and basically, I've just got a limit switch that whenever you press that limit switch, it dings. I have a little buzzer on the on the pie. It, it dings a little buzzer so the dog knows that it pressed the button, right? And it will kick out an yep. email to um, uh, just an email from a Gmail account, which doesn't get filtered out for spam or anything because it's a Gmail account. So perfect. So I made the perfect little spam button. <laughs> and um, so I set this up and I can type in anyone's email so I can spam whoever I want with messages that the dog has to go outside. <laughs> and I can 
put a whole bunch of them. So my girlfriend was getting the text. My brother was getting the texts. Um, both my parents were, they thought it was hilarious. <laughs> just for fun? What was <laughs> the point of sending it to your girlfriend? <laughs> just, to, just to mess with her. <laughs> she thought it was funny. But this was just me. But the problem was that I didn't have the button at my parents' house. It was just me pressing the button and seeing what would happen. So I'm just getting... <laughs> flooded yeah. with, with, with text messages, like knock it off. I get it. It works. <laughs> um, cause you, every time you press that <laughs> button, like with every three seconds, it'll send another message. So, um, I, at first I made a little yeah. spam, but it will be useful eventually. Um, but very kind of pretty cool little project there. I'm wrapping that up right now. So that's been a fun, that's been a fun, uh, project where I think what you end up with when you're, when you want to get into like using Arduinos and IOT and stuff like that. You need a project, like you need a goal to accomplish. Like I've found that it doesn't yeah. work to go buy the equipment and then wait for the project. Think of a like, problem. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've, you've found a solution and you're looking for a problem. Um, so what, what works yeah. way better is saying like reverse. You, yeah. You want to, you want to say, okay, pick your big, hairy, audacious goal. And I want to, make a, a solar powered, um, autonomous, you know, aqu aquatic vehicle or something that is sampling data out in the lake. That's actually something I think would be kind of cool to do. But anyway, how do you even do that? Okay. Well, you're going to need to know how to do battery management systems. You're going to need solar panels. You're going to need, you know, waterproofing and all your electronics. You're going to need some really robust system that's going to handle that. You're going to need long range communication. So go figure out all those pieces, put them together. Right now. That's a really, that's a really big BHAG. Um, <laughs> probably wouldn't want to start with that, but getting a Raspberry Pi to trigger and send an email based on, and, you know, work with some hardware components like a buzzer and a limit switch. Those are really key fundamentals to being able to then go do your next bigger, scarier project. So, and that's how I like to, like to think about this. And I think in general, that's what I'd like to show with, um, these mini projects is they're, they're kind of fun. They're kind of silly, but they can really build You can build the pieces and the building blocks that you need to really go do some cool stuff like a mm -hmm. solar powered autonomous aquatic vehicle or something like that. Um, so anyway, and then the last thing that I got to is I said, the scientist to me was like, well, wouldn't it be funny if I could actually have analytics and like, and analyze and have graphs of like when the dog is pressing the button. And if I could like predict when the dog <laughs> actually has to go out and when he just wants attention, um, so then yeah. I, I got into finding and I got to I got to look up the, the services again. But essentially, there are services where and if you need to use them for business purposes, you have to start paying for them. But just just working with Arduinos and, and uh, Raspberry Pis and little things like that, they're they're free to use. And they create basically like a Web page, like a landing page that you can look up on your phone. You can look, pull it up on your as like a dashboard on your computer and they're real time analytics. And basically the Raspberry Pi can push data <laughs> into their servers and then to it. they have little graphing and, you know, tracking in real time um, analysis. You can send GPS data to it. You, you can do you know, heat maps. You can do all kinds of really cool stuff with it. Um, but these were all things I had like seen and heard about and watched in these presentations and stuff. And it was really cool to finally dig into it. And it took a couple of weeks of Googling. And that's, I think, part of what prompted this whole podcast was, this is not easy to, there is no like easy button solution. There's no class to take. There's no, or none that I've found so far. Um, there's no mm -hmm. good yep. way to just say, oh, I, I want to get into doing robots and, and IOT stuff. And I'd rather do that at work. How do I, how do I get into that? 
Um, your engineering degree probably won't teach you all the skills you need to do that. It, it sets you up with the skills to go figure it out and to get started. But this is these little projects are intended to help individuals who are in that camp of, I've always been interested in this. I have an Arduino. I have a Raspberry Pi laying around. I've got the little starter kit. I made LEDs blink and I didn't really have anything else to do with it. Um, I'm hoping that this can be a great launch pad and talk people into, hey, making a little LED matrix is not is not just for fun, right? You're you're learning some really, really important skills by doing little silly projects like this that you can then apply and go do much bigger, cooler things because the difference between making a little a little RC car or something with LiPo batteries and maybe a little solar panel on top of it, that translates to agriculture, uh, autonomous, you know, AI guided vehicles that are going to live out in the field for the whole summer and, you know, analyze crop yield and stuff like that. Like that little RC car with the LiPo batteries and the little solar cell and the controller and long range communication, all of those pieces directly go to doing something like that, where you could start a business, you could, you know, do a, do a startup or something like that, or go work for one. Those are the kinds of projects that really cool opportunities like that are looking for is what I've found. Uh, when I talk with individuals like that, um, those those type of interviews are very different than your traditional corporate job interview, right? Where um, they're going to ask you their yeah. standard HR questions. So, so anyway, cool project there. Cool to talk about. Um, it's been fun to kind of engage my uh, my my parents and uh, and friends and stuff in that. So, and it was part of the launching the launch pad for this whole. Um, getting getting together with Mark and starting a podcast here, so we'll see. I'll I'll keep updates yeah, on it exactly. and uh, keep uh, keep the. Um, we'll probably do a check in and I don't know whenever I get around to working on it some more. That's kind of the going to be. I think the flow of these project podcasts is and check ins is going to be whenever I have some time to circle back to it and say, hey, I've actually made some progress on this one um, and talk through that. I'd like to be yeah. able to <laughs> eventually do like a, a write like a nice write up or a YouTube video with like screen grabs and stuff. And talk through like actually, okay, this is where I started. This is how I got to the final product, and this is like all the pieces in between. So we're not just talking about it. So I can actually like provide links and snippets of like example codes. I don't know. I pulled some of this stuff off. That's yeah, that's what like the end the end goal to be there. So I think it's great. So like Raspberry Pi seems like the logical solution for this, right? There's like not another thing that you would think of to like. Is there another product that you could do this same thing with, or is Raspberry Pi kind of like the main one? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, Raspberry Pi is really good for it. It's well documented and they're robust and they're cheap. Um, but there's a lot of companies that are coming up with more specific solutions. There's BeagleBone. Um, that's like a very like a more powerful version, more more a lot more like a computer um, compared oh, okay. to Raspberry Pi. I know Arduino just launched the Arduino Pro, um, and that is targeted specifically at solving all the problems that individuals like myself have gone to work and said, well, gee, I can, I can control that motor with, uh, with an Arduino and it is like, nope, that doesn't have secure Wi-Fi access. You can't, you can't use that or we don't want that thing on our network. Okay. Well, Arduino Pro is trying to solve that with an ultra secure, um, Wi-Fi protocol so that it can't be hacked. Right. That's, I think one of the stories you hear a lot is yep. these little IOT devices are, are cool, but they have very weak, um, encryption software and stuff. So they, they're very easy. They're easy net, like, easy ways and gateways into a very an otherwise very secure network. So that's like a solution that they've yeah. come up with. And Arduino is a very popular brand, but that Arduino Pro, and from what I can tell, is more like a Raspberry Pi. And we can maybe do a, a more in-depth uh, look at the difference between an Arduino and a Raspberry Pi type system. 
but traditionally they're not the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's more like a, comparing a computer to like uh, a data acquisition board. So, but anyway, but there's a lot of there's a lot of companies that are trying to develop even better solutions. But Raspberry Pi is a great place to start. If and they have the big the biggest thing is if you start getting into these off brand um, kind of more startup y things. While if you're very comfortable with programming and looking through um, GitHub and reading readmes and stuff like that and jumping on forums to learn a lot about how to use the equipment those might be for you. And if it's like, it fits perfectly for your application, that could be great. The problem with them is, is if you're just getting started and you don't really know what you're doing, you need something like a Raspberry Pi to support you and get you feeling comfortable with working with those types of things. That once you've, once you've built up those skills and you feel comfortable and you're like, well, man, I really need, I really need this feature that I have to buy this really expensive module to, and it doesn't work very well with the, with the Raspberry Pi, that's when you might want to go buy one of these um, more specialized boards that's specifically like Pro models. For, yeah. 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 Something like that. So, um, so no, Raspberry Pi is not the only one, just a, a great place to start. That's how it, that's how I'd put it. And how much is like the Raspberry Pi you're using? Is that like a more basic level one? Like it just doesn't need a ton of extras. Yeah. Let me, let me uh, get like actual prices, but Raspberry Pi fours are depending on the amount of Ram. They actually like, you can, you can buy ones with different amount of RAM, just like a computer or a laptop. Okay. Um, yeah. But I think I've got a two or four gig model. And it was like 30 bucks or 40 bucks. I think you can pay as much as oh, okay. you can pay as much as like $80, I think for the, the eight gig versions. Yeah. 75 bucks. So between, between 40 and $80, depending on the amount of RAM you need. If you're a beginner, you don't need very much RAM. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other one I've got is uh, a very cool variant. And what I'm going to eventually build into the uh, the go outside button <laughs> is a Raspberry Pi Zero, and so the difference in size is I would say messing this all up, I would say it's about a third the size of a Pi Four. It's not nearly as powerful, and I really switched to the Four because programming and writing Python script on the Pi Zero was just so slow and laggy. It's it can connect to a screen through oh, okay. HDMI and things, and it does work with a keyboard and mouse, but it's just, it's a lot less powerful of a computer system, right? So it really struggles when you're yeah. trying to move quickly and program and, you know, pull up web pages and stuff. It's, it works, but it's pretty slow. So what I'm, <laughs> what my plan is yeah. to work it all out on the Pi 4 and then migrate it over to the Zero once it's done. And I don't know if that's a standard practice, but I'm guessing it is. Um, so that's another option too. And those Pi Zeros are only like $10. They're very, they're, they're really low cost oh. and they're, they're very lightweight. They use, very little power. Um, so great for running off a battery and things like that. Um, I don't know if these are lightweight oh, right. enough where they can do like energy capture, but they actually make uh, types of systems that basically can just like harvest off of like radio waves. So like there's, there's devices that are so really powered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can harvest energy from like incoming wow. radio waves and keep themselves going. Um, and that's that's a big a big area of like sensors that literally are just little itty bitty micro sensors that have a it's like a wireless charging pad kind of but it's designed for a different type of um, mm -hmm. electromagnetic frequency but they can harvest just a couple like microamps um, per day or whatever and that keeps them going and they can continue sending back data to a larger network of of, uh, of systems that's being monitored yeah you can get them as low as five dollars. So really, really cool stuff. They're trying wow. to make this available to lots of people. So doesn't, you know, I think like a kit to get started 
to, I would recommend like a Pi 3 or Pi 4. I mean, you can really get started for less than 100 bucks, like 50 to $60. You can get the Pi, all the cables you need. Um, and if you've got a monitor and a, and a keyboard and mouse for your computer, you can slide that over and plug that in through USB to the Raspberry Pi. And you can, when you set them up, it's just like running a computer. You said it, it's like a type of Linux. Um, so actually, if you're used to, if you run yep. MacBooks and stuff, it's very similar to that. It's going to feel a lot like that. Oh, okay. So I don't want to jump too far ahead for, uh, from the next update, but do you have like a plan to like 3D print a case and stuff for this? I actually already have a little bit. Um, yeah, that's that's, <laughs> gonna be, that's kind of the next step. I've actually got it working to the point where it's ready to go. I was deciding if I wanted to put batteries in it. Um, I think I'm just going to make it a wall wart and plug it into the wall so that it okay. just always has power. Uh, like the next step is I have to figure out how... So I'm, it's a great test case too, because my mother is not a very techie person. So, uh, <laughs> but I, basically I want to make it so easy that she's even able to set it up and work with it. And the idea would be that eventually it might spin it into some sort of a little business making these buttons. Apparently it went over really well on Facebook <laughs> um, when she was talking about yeah. it. So, But I want to make it so easy that there's, there's no, like you don't have to set it up. And I don't, I don't know how to do this yet. Um, if anyone knows reach out that'd be great but essentially i want to set it up so like, I feel like you'd need like an app wouldn't you yeah and that's and that's what i've been trying to figure out is if you can like, like plug up. in emails and stuff yeah, yeah yeah it's and that's exactly what i need you you've hit the nail on the head there is i don't know yet how to like for me i can plug in a keyboard and mouse and plug it into a monitor and i can set up the pie and program it and then put the email and password in the email that i want it to send to and then hit go i need to figure out a way to like yeah get that email from a user into the Raspberry Pi's Python script. And I don't know how to do that yet. Um, so I've got to figure that out. I've got to make it so that like when you just unplug it and plug it back in, it'll just run the script. So that's another thing because it is like a computer. It's just like, remember from C++ class, you had to like open the program and double click on it, right? It's in a computer environment and then it'll run. Mm -hmm. So I need to set it up more like an Arduino where when you plug it in, it just starts running. So those are those are two big things there. But then putting it into a case and making a little button, um, that's not so bad. So that's the intention there. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what what to look forward to in the next update. I'll probably I'll keep googling around and eventually I'll find um, some way to set it up remotely. Or maybe this one I'll just hard code for my mom's email and uh, we'll go from there. But yeah, kind of an interesting project. It'll be fun to see what the what the final thing comes out looking like. So very nice. Well, that's all I had for today. Did you have anything else? No, that sounds good. We got a update on our on our first project, a couple of news pieces. Yeah, and I've been posting these on Reddit. So if you are a listener and you've seen it on Reddit and commented, like, thank you. Also, if you're one of those Redditors and you have, like, you found an interesting article on some i4.0 news, like, comment it in there. And we should, like, set up, like, some sort of, you know, podcast email or something that people can send in. Yeah, articles or Instagram idea. or something like that. Uh, Cause that would be helpful just to interact with some of our listeners and yeah. have some fun content. Yeah. It'd be great to, to get some recommendations and see what other people are interested in. Um, and also it'd be great to get feedback too. I mean, we're, this is episode number two. Um, we're both new to this and uh, or I'm, I'm a lot, a lot newer to the podcasting game than Mark is, but 
um, it would be great to get some feedback and hear, hear what you guys have to say about it. So, and recommendations where else to post it, other people that might be interested, um, mm-hmm. all good things. So yeah, I think, uh, I think we should probably look at putting together an email for this. That'd be pretty easy to do. Just another Gmail yeah. account, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we were recording this, I got a Reddit message that said, Hey, Mark and Michael really enjoyed episode one. Please also include a 5G episode. So there we go. And they said, when do you plan to bring out mm. episode two? So wow, that's the awesome. answer is now. The answer is now. You'll uh, listen to this on Wednesday. But thank you, F. Lebink. Sweet. Starting to build a little user base. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. I haven't looked through any of the uh, comments or anything yet. I really need to go do that. Um, it's kind of one of those, like, you put it out into the ether and then you just hide. <laughs> and you're just like, I hope people love it, but yeah. uh, you know, I'm afraid to look. So I know, uh, like, Rogan is always telling people, like, don't read the comments. Don't read the comments. But, <laughs> um, probably at this stage, it's probably good to, to do that. So so anyway, no, appreciate that. That's awesome to see that people are engaging with it. I would love to do, I definitely would like to do one specifically on 5G. Um dive yeah. into it a little bit and help dispel any of the any of the stigma around it and stuff like that see where it's going and be able to talk about the benefits and the cons if there are um i don't really know of any mm-hmm. mu- of much of any yet um but i think that'd be a really great podcast to do focus on that specifically i think that's that is a big piece of the news and um, a lot of what people are going to outwardly see from industry 4.0 right because if you don't work in technology or manufacturing or um those type of industries are really going to be affected by it you might not really see much of I've, of uh, industry 4.0. So I think, but yeah, 5G is one of 5G is one of those that definitely um, will affect everybody. I mean, your your iPhone's going to have a little 5G bar, and you're going to be looking for that that sweet sweet uh, bandwidth. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, sweet. I think that's all we had for today. Thank you again for listening. You know, if you enjoyed it, please rate us on your podcast platform of choice. And yeah, until next time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you guys.